Hey coaches, and welcome to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. For all the up-to-date information on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association, you can visit our website at www.or.nhsbca.org. Welcome to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. I'm Derek Duman, OBCA Secretary and Boys Basketball Coach at West Albany High School. Today, our guest is Cliff Wagner, men's basketball coach at Clackamas Community College. Coach, how are you doing today? Well, coping, uh, just trying to stay safe and healthy and looking forward to a day when basketball gets back to the world again. Yes, I think we can all share that sentiment, Coach. <laughs> We're eagerly awaiting uh, some normalcy with that uh, to come back around. Uh Coach, can you kind of tell us your story uh, about how you got into coaching basketball and, and how you ended up as the men's basketball coach at Clackamas Community College? Uh, well, I grew up in a small town, uh, Oak Ridge, Oregon. Uh, back then, we played uh, three sports year-round. Uh, basketball became my favorite. I went to Western Oregon and played four years of college basketball there. Um, after that, I got out and I started coaching. Um my first teaching job was at a junior high in Sherwood. Uh, I was at Oregon City High School. I taught English there for 30 years, and I coached uh, baseball and basketball for 12 years, and I was the head boys coach for eight years. And um, I got caught, when was it? 1993 was uh, the third phase of Measure, uh, measure 5, and there was like tremendous budget cuts. I lost all five of my assistant coaches. All five of my assistant coaches lost their jobs that year. And so I got involved at the local community college uh, with Roy Kaiser at Clackamas. And uh, we had a fabulous year. We went 27-3. and three. Our point guard was the MVP, Kyle Dixon, went to Gonzaga, led him to the, to the NC2A tournament for the first time. And it was really – uh, I just loved uh, this level of basketball, so I, I stayed um, at the junior college level. I, I went to Mount Hood for four years, three as an assistant, became the head coach, and became the head coach at Clackamas after that, uh, and just finished my 22nd year at Clackamas Community College. That's great. Yeah, from small town Oak Ridge to uh, Clackamas, that's quite a quite a ride, coach. Quite a ride. <laughs> it, it's been a nice journey. It's been great yeah. basketball along the way. Yeah, can you talk about how, you know, you've been involved in the game a long time, coaching, I think, 40-plus years. Can you talk about how the game has changed over that time? <laughs> well, uh, players are more skilled. They spend more time with the ball. Uh, they can do more things. Uh, offensively, kids can use either hand. They can get to the hoop. Almost all guards can do that now. Um, shooting has improved tremendously. The three-point line has been great for basketball since its introduction in uh, college in 86 and high school in 88 uh, has put more emphasis on shooting. Kids shoot the ball better now. Um, kids spend a lot more time with skills. They, they, they spend a lot more time uh, playing. Uh, they have a lot more opportunities. And so the, the level overall is, is, is better. Um, I think that uh, uh, Oregon basketball particularly has come so far. Uh, when I was a high school coach, I, I was involved with travel teams, and we used to send one or two teams at most <laughs> out of Oregon. Can you imagine that? 17-year-old uh, teams. Uh, I, I, I don't even know how to count.
opportunities are, were less for kids. So I think all that thing overall has uh, contributed to uh, a, a rise in, in basketball quality. Yeah, and with with that rise and in, in that skill level, that shooting ability, how have you kind of adapted your coaching style to match match that? Well, we've always played up tempo since the, the, the first uh, year I coached uh, and every team I've coached. Uh, we've always tried to play up tempo unless <laughs> had a few teams along the way that were not very good and, and you know, you couldn't, you just couldn't do that. But um, as far as my coaching style, I've always tried to adapt. Uh, we're always looking at things, how we're doing, uh, how we're teaching, how we're breaking things down. Uh, I still go to coaching clinics. Normally, I attend three or four coaches clinics a year, uh, always looking for new ways to teach things. Uh, but overall, I don't think we've changed all that much. We, we play fast-paced. Uh, we play aggressive defense. We like to trap. We like to run. Uh, we've always played a, an offense that's featured a point guard that, that's been the, the trigger man, the quarterback, and, and that's been central to our success along the way is, is we've had tremendous point guards year in and year out. Um, I think as I've gotten um, older, I give kids more days off. I, I realize the, the value of fresh legs down <laughs> toward the end of the season, and we're really mindful of the things we do uh, physically. I think our physical training of athletes probably has, has changed more than anything else along my coaching career, how we train them to lift. We might hedge it and recover it. Uh, we might ice it and, and not allow it. 
there are a variety of things like that. So um, that's part of the things um, that have e evolved that way. Yeah, with, I mean, ball screens have become a very popular uh, action. I mean, they always have been, right? Pick and roll has been around for a long time, but it seems like, uh, like you're saying, how you guard the ball screen, uh, when ball screens are coming, they're happening on different parts of the floor. I mean, how do you <clears throat> prepare? How do you determine, like, which way you're going to guard the ball screen? Does it depend on your opponent? Does it depend on the player? Can you kind of talk us through that? Um, you know, at our level, we, we have a, a more scouting than you can even internalize. You know, <laughs> uh, basically, we, we can see every one of our opponent's films uh, or every one of their games on film. Uh, we have access to statistics on all the teams and all the individuals, and part of that goes into our, our analysis of that. And, you know, we look at kids, and, uh, for instance, if, if a kid can um, – come off a ball screen and and make a three off a dribble, well, you're not going to go under that ball screen. You know, you're, you're not going to give them that opportunity. You're either going to come out and hedge it or you're going to fight over the top or something like that, for instance. If the kid's not very sh a good shooter, you might just go under the screen and take your chances with what he can do and just make sure he's not penetrating, for instance, might be one determination. Uh, where the ball screen is on the floor, uh, in the middle of the floor, it, uh, it's a little more difficult to ice the screen or, or force it away. But on the side, you know, if it's a side ball screen on the wing, uh, you can sort of force it away. And uh, the only option then is for the offensive player to go into the corner. Um, so that might be uh, several different things, or you know, where the spacing occurs, where it occurs, and then and then the individual talents of the of the kid itself uh, would determine how you might want to play that ball screen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what's something that you think high school coaches could do better to prepare kids for the college level? Um, it, it, some, some coaches could do a better job emphasizing academics and how important that's going to be. Um, no college coach wants, you know, players who are not going to maintain minimum academic standards or eligibility. Um, Holding kids accountable, discipline. Uh, kids that don't get disciplined in high school are going to wind up getting disciplined in college. And uh, the, the longer it goes, the tougher the change is for the kid. I think uh, and, uh, some kids, coaches do a great job with, uh, you know, you recruit these players and they say, yeah, coach made sure I took care of my FAFSA and all that kind of stuff. But uh, making sure that, that they know about that, you know, and if you don't know, you know, get your counselor to come in and talk to them. But Every kid that wants to play college basketball and is good enough and uh, ought to know that there's opportunities to pay for that at college. If you want a college education, uh, there's a lot of financial aid out there that's available with uh, need scholarships, academic scholarships, athletic scholarships. Uh, you can get a college education, especially if you go to the junior college route and not wind up with a ton of debt at the end of it. Um, the other thing I think is just physical strength, developing um, athletes' bodies. Um, I think about 80% uh, of the high school athletes we recruit uh, are not nearly strong enough to come in and start playing and competing uh, at the college level. So that's another area of emphasis I think uh, could be a little better. 
do you guys do, I, I would assume so, but are you guys lifting and things year round at, at the junior college level? Normally, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Our, yeah, our kids are, sometimes they're on their own in the summer, but uh, from the day we start um, early September until we finish in uh, early June, normally we're lifting year round. And, and even during the summer, our kids are encouraged to, to lift and, and really hit it hard then too. Yeah. Coach, sometimes I think as high school coaches, we have, uh, we have, you know, we're concerned about our team, our program. And, you know, let's say I've got a kid who's probably six, four, uh, and for me is a post, right? But at your level at six, four, that's probably not where you're going to fit in because six, four is a little undersized for a post. What advice would you have for high school coaches? You know, if that kid wants to play, at the next level, we're going to have to try to develop some skills more outside, not back to the basket type stuff. Uh, what what advice would you have for coaches to allow us to, you know, put our team in a chance to be successful, but also to help that individual kid get ready for that next level? Well, it's interesting you asked that question, Coach. Uh, this year we had a 6-2 post who played our number four man, and he was uh, he averaged 16 points. He was the freshman of the year in the southern region, which we won with a 14-2 and record. Um, and he was the, the uh, freshman of the year, <laughs> and he was the runner-up uh, for the all-defensive uh, player of the year. And, he was just having, and he's a 6-2 post kid, yeah. uh, tremendous athlete. But, you know, we were able to use him in a way that just uh, filled the niche for us. Um, so that's one thing I'd say is, is don't um, uh, don't worry so much about positions. Is you know develop develop athletes. Um, uh, no reason that your guards can't learn to post up. We post up our guards in college. Uh, no reason that your you know any any of your bigger kids can't learn to step out and, and, and shoot the ball and work on that stuff too. And um, you know. You may have, you know, your only six four kid is on your uh, high school team, and you may have to uh, feel like you have to play him down low, um, and and he may have to be that kid that gets you that bucket down low. But um, I just think focusing on uh, continuing to develop basketball skills, um, like uh, there are so many there are so many offenses now at the college level that are basically positionless, and, and we've sort of developed that. Uh, lately, as we've evolved our triangle offenses, is we've uh, taken more of our big kids and, and stepping them out. Like, you know, we had a 6'10", uh, Matt O'Brien this year, and he spent a lot of time at the high post, stretching defenses out, making threes. And uh, while uh, our three-man or our two-man sometimes was in the low post, uh, trying to get an advantage over a smaller guard there. So um, the ability to um, – if all kids know spacing, you know, if, if they're all working on skills, uh, I think eventually the best ball players are going to find a way to play at the next level or at a role they can be successful at as well. How has this pandemic, uh, which, you know, has gotten us all out of the gym, unfortunately, um, how has that affected recruiting for you guys? And how are you trying to uh, still recruit the best kids you can to come to Clackamas? Well, the first way, it affected recruiting for us was it killed our sophomores. Uh, when we lost the NWAC tournament, uh, which we were about to host at Clackamas, 
which we were about to win at Clackamas, <laughs> our our kids lost a tremendous uh, uh, ability to showcase their their game, their team, their talent in front of what's normally uh, forty or fifty or eighty college coaches. Um, and then after that, they couldn't travel. You know, we had a kid, Robert Ford, for instance, who had uh, five uh, in uh, Division One visits set up that he was going to take to make his choice. All that just got blown out the window. Kids had to make choices. Our kids, everybody else's kids, had to make choices about where they're going to their next college at uh, based on really insufficient information opportunity and access that you normally get and the same thing for us bringing in our kids you know we were fortunate we worked hard during the season we knew kids pretty well that we were pretty sure on and we went ahead and 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 signed those kids but uh, we also signed some kids that i met for the first time on zoom conferences and i really don't know these kids all that well i, I think they're great kids and um, I'm looking forward to working with them for sure, but that was really a different kind of situation too. And it seems like there's a lot of kids still floating around that aren't sure what to do. I I, I still continue to get emails all summer about uh, people looking for places to play, and it's hard it's hard to tell kids what to do. It's, it's not knowing exactly what's going to happen in the fall. And I, I think you know, in addition to the 12 kids that we signed, we have another 10 kids that want to try out to be a red shirt or somehow make the team and so forth. So uh, the pandemic has just changed everything and really uh, negated the ability we normally have to bring kids in, have them visit campus, have them run with our kids, have them do a basketball workout, get to know them, meet their parents, all that kind of stuff has is, is pretty much been out the window. So. Uh, it, it just has been a negative, <laughs> a negative fall over the basketball world. Any way you look at it. Yeah. What advice do you have for any uh, rising seniors? So the class of 2020, you know, they want to go play college basketball, but a lot of those opportunities have been taken away from them. I mean, what are some what's some advice you have for them navigating the recruiting process coming into this year? Well, I think to stay in contact with, with college coaches and, and kind of just uh, maintain the information network and know when people are going to play and so forth, I feel like we're going to get some kind of basketball season uh, next year. I, I feel like we're all going to get a chance. Uh, it's not going to be till, uh later than we normally get to do that, but at some point there's going to be a vaccine, and, and it's hopefully going to be sooner than later, but uh, if we could see that, hopefully, before the first of the year uh, and basketball safe to play, then, then we could get a season in uh, starting in January and concluding in, in late April or May that would be a, a nice season, uh, not a totally full season. But um, I, I think if that all happens, then we can do something like a normal recruiting process uh, at the end of next spring and summer. Yeah. You mentioned uh, the NWAC announced that basketball will start after the first of the year. Um, so you, you guys are starting much later than, than usual. How are, how are you guys kind of shifting your plans for the upcoming year? Uh, you know, cause you're not going to start until January. What are you guys kind of doing to set that up? Well, we're still waiting for the 
you know, the determination to be made exactly what fall term is going to look like. At this point, it looks like we're going to start online and try to be prepared to transition to um, campus learning. I, I don't think there will be any athletics on campus until there's students on campus. That doesn't make a lot of sense. But if students are on campus, then student athletes should be able to be on campus uh, working out as well at, at some safe level. So. Um, we're, we're hopeful. Um, we're hopeful to get a, a full season in, uh, something like a full season, and that's our best uh, opportunity is to push it as late as possible. So, uh, unfortunately, we, you know, that leaves out our, our normal process of we have a three-week mini camp that goes from Labor Day till school starts that we normally do. That's just been a great deal to get our kids in and get them set up and organized and stuff. And we're going to have to go without that. We're going to have to stay organized online with our team as best we can and to, to help them try to navigate again through online learning, which has been really difficult for a lot of our kids. Um, so I, I'm dreading another fall term of that uh, until we can get to you know, actually having workouts and meetings and so forth. So um, a vaccine is a game changer. You know, if, if we get a, a viable vaccine and it's safe to play, then that changes everything. So, um, but it, as, as matters stand, that's our, our best chance is, is what we have set up, I believe. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of us right now are, are trying to do the, <clears throat> the digital workout um, as best we can, whatever that looks like. Uh, my question, you know, how are you ensuring that kids are, you know, still eating right, that they're getting those workouts done? You know, are you kind of just leaving it up to them, or is there anything that you're doing specifically to help make sure kids are, are putting in the work they need to uh, since they're stuck at home? We we really haven't done uh, that much. We've sent out some stuff. We've, we've sent some workouts to kids. Uh, some of our kids have been finding their way into gyms and working out. Um, we're still urging kids to be cautious. I don't think it's the right time to, to show up at the park and play five-on-five five basketball. I don't think it's the right time to go to the 24-hour fitness and, and play five-on-five five basketball right now. Uh, so we're encouraging them to, to, you know, work out as they can, you know, get some cardio in, do, do different things, uh, bike, go hiking, go running, whatever they can, not to let their bodies get too lethargic. But, um, it, it's really limiting as far as uh, being a basketball athlete right now, let's face it. And uh, we try to encourage kids. Uh, we're still meeting with our kids that are in uh, taking summer classes. We have several kids that are uh, in class this summer, so we're still doing that and checking up on them and making sure that they're getting through those classes successfully. But um, it, it's hard. It's, it's depressing uh, for kids, I know. Um, I think it's important that they get out. Uh, get fresh air. Uh, I think it's important that they they see some people, you know, safely in small numbers. Just uh, stay out of the crowds and stuff. But um, whatever they can do to just keep their their bodies as as close to uh, healthy and active as possible. There's there's no way you can have any kind of normal approach to basketball at this time. So we're just trying to keep them positive and, and help them get through it until this is over. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Trying to make the, uh, the best of the worst right now, I think is where we're all at. So, 
Well, great. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll return with more from Coach Cliff Wagner right after this on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Want more from the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast? Visit our website at anchor.fm slash OBCA or subscribe to our podcast on Spotify. Welcome back to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Derek Duman here with Coach Cliff Wagner from Clackamas Community College. Uh, Coach, you made the jump uh, from being a high school coach to the college level. You talked about that a little bit in the in the first segment. What advice would you have for coaches that are currently at the high school level that might be interested in, in making that jump to the junior college or Division three or, or higher? Um, I would say get as involved as you can. Uh, come up and see a college practice, attend college games. Um, it's amazing the number of high school uh, coaches we talk to where we're recruiting who've never been to a junior college game, and uh, they're telling us that they have a player that's uh, a junior college level player, and they really don't know what that level is. Um, hang out with, uh, go to coaches, um, go to basketball camps in summer. You meet a lot of coaches at basketball camps, uh, college coaches. Um, hang out where you are, talk to young coaches, uh, get advice, uh, attend the final four. Uh, there's all kinds of young, uh, college coaches trying to get jobs in college basketball at the final four. Sometimes a, a chance meeting leads to an opportunity. Uh, make contacts, make connections. Uh, if you're a good coach and you really love basketball, um, don't be intimidated uh, about college coaches. Uh, to be honest with you, some of the greatest coaches uh, I ever coached against were were high school coaches. And uh, uh, if you're if you're a really good high school coach, you can be a, a really good college coach if you want to. Yeah, how about just the head coaching experience? I think that you've had uh, at both levels because. <clears throat> we've talked a little bit on this podcast before about being an assistant to being a head coach and, and just the amount of stresses you're under as a head coach with having to make sure kids are academically eligible and things of that nature. Um, how about the difference between being a high school head coach and a junior college head coach? Is, is it about the same or are there different stressors? Can you talk about that a little bit? Um, I think there's, you know, a lot of the same, you know, there's there's more emphasis uh, because of the coursework is more difficult. There's more of an emphasis put uh, on making sure your kids are uh, in the right classes with the right instructors, um, making sure they're getting toward their appropriate degrees and, and so forth and so on. Um, High school, not quite as much. Uh, the, the, the relationship with parents is really different at, at high school and, and, and college. I, I know you're a high school coach. I'm not telling you anything new. but uh, That was my follow-up question, actually. It's going to be about parents. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you – Yeah, you there, there's just uh, – unfortunately, it, it's just a, a misfortune. But I, I think – like, I was a high school coach for, what, 17 years, and uh, – I think if you asked the, the 10 worst things that would would have happened, nine of them would be involving parents, just like any other high school coach. And it's it's really a different deal at the junior college level. It's, it's really a nice relationship. Our, our parents are just wonderful. Our, our parents this year were just incredible, for instance. We had 
one pair of parents who drove from Moses Lake to every home game. That's like five hours one way. Uh, our parents are really supportive. They're just thankful their kids are, are playing basketball. They're getting scholarships to pay for their education. Uh, it's really, it, it's just a totally different relationship we have with parents at the college level versus the high school level. And that's, that's a wonderful, uh, wonderful change. Is that something that you talk to parents about during the recruiting process, or do you think it just kind of happens naturally? Um, if it comes up about, you know, uh, their role, uh, mm -hmm. we do talk to our uh, kids about it all the time. We say, hey, you know, we, you know, every every team in America puts their hands together in the huddle and they say the word family. But we talk about what that means to be a family and how that, uh, you know, that means that your family's our family and um, we want to be positive and, and, and we have stuff happen, you know, that's not all great all the time that we have to talk to our fans about, getting them mm -hmm. under control and stuff like that. But uh, for the most part, it's uh, it's a positive dialogue that we initiate first as a team and, and, and our team disseminates that to their parents and makes sure we're all on the same page that way. That's great. Uh, Coach, you've had a lot of success, obviously, at Oregon City and, and, and at Clackamas, um, you know, won the Southern Region this year and, and likely hosting the tournament would have, would have won the NWAC, as you mentioned earlier. Um, what is it you think that you guys do in your program that kind of leads to that constant success? I think we work really, really hard. I've got two assistant coaches. Uh, Brian Stam and Alex Wool that just work their tails off. I mean, they're always there if kids want to come in for extra work, uh, work on some moves, work on some shots, do some extra conditioning. Uh, I'm always available if a kid wants to uh, work on a shot. You know, I'm kind of that's my specialty is shooting. So um, one that's one thing is hard work. I, I really think we um, prepare game in, game out. Uh, we work really hard on stats and film. Our kids are always prepared to play. Um, again, Brian and Alex have done a great job on that aspect as well. And um, I think we, we really take our job seriously without taking ourselves too seriously. We still have we still laugh a lot. We have a lot of fun. Um, one of our key things and one of the things we're most proud of has been the way our kids year in and year out have performed uh, in tournament play where we've won almost 70% of our games. And, uh, we've, we've now won five NWAC championships at our school. Um, and, and part of that, most of that comes from how we feel about each other. Uh, we get to the end of the season and, and our kids still like each other. Our coaches still like our kids. Our kids still like our coaches. And you see teams at the end of the year, even good teams, they're sick of each other. They're sick of their coaches. You 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 pick up that vibe, and we don't feel like that. You know, our kids wanted to play another ten games at the end of the year. We wanted to win the championship and uh, keep playing. You know, so I, I think that's one thing that's been a key to our success. Yeah, how do you build that team chemistry, that love for one another, that that family vibe? What what is it that you guys do to help put kids in that situation? Uh, to become more cohesive? Well, we try to get a, a, a good feel about what kind of kid we're recruiting, and we call them Clackamas kids. And uh, some of
sometimes we pass on a kid that has superior talent because we don't think he's going to fit in uh, and put team goals ahead of individual goals, for instance. And most of the time we do a really good job of that. The year before we had some players who really didn't buy in and, and we had some players that we had to ask not to return. Mm-hmm. Um, those were kids who um, probably shouldn't have come to the program. Uh, we had different goals and so forth. So um, this year, for instance, we had a great situation. And, and I look at every family of every kid we had in our program, and their families were like that, just loving and supporting. And, and so those kids were ready to buy in. And, and then we had great team leadership. Uh, if you're going to be a coach-led team, I, I, there's that old adage, you can be good, but if you want to be great, you better have a player-led team. So you have to find that leadership, too. If, if you're in a team that you're fighting with your leaders, <laughs> you, you're going to struggle. You need some new leaders. You need to go in a different direction. But uh, when you have a vision as a, as a head coach and you can communicate that to your staff and your captains and you buy in, then you have a chance to be really, really good uh, every year. And there are certain things that you have to do well every year, too. Um, you know, a big key to our success, too, has been the fact that we play defense every year. Uh, every year we rebound. We're in the top three in offensive and defensive rebounding every season. We're in the top of the NWAC every season in assists. <laughs> we're, always, we're also one of the top in turnovers, too, for whatever reason. So, you know, we play free and loose. And uh, it, it, it's funny, um, I don't know, if, if every year I talk about turnovers, and I, I, but, you know, every year we're about 15 and 16, and, you know, a lot of teams, really good teams, are down around 12. But uh, it, it hasn't interfered with our success, I think, because we make it up other ways, um, you know, uh, turn it over twice, uh, well, get two extra rebounds or even again, you know, that kind of thing. So, um those, and, and communicating those those cornerstones to kids, you know, they have to understand, you know, we're going to we, we do these things because we're trying to get more shots and we're trying to get better shots and more opportunities. Um, and then uh, I think another big thing is, is um, it's fun. We play a style that's really fun. We average over 90 uh, points uh, almost every year I've been there. Last year's average was 97. Uh, we shoot a lot of threes. Our goal is to take 33-point shots a game. Uh, we averaged right at 30 last year. We led the NWAC and made three-pointers a game. Uh, so that helps, too, to play a, a, style, a style of basketball that's exciting and fun. It's not very difficult to recruit good players to Clackamas. We have a great location. It's a great college. It's the kind of college that you'd want to send your own kids to. We have tremendous leadership uh, from President Tim Cook. Uh, on down to the people that oversee us directly in the athletic department. So those are things that make it easier to be successful. And um, we're also able to keep our kids eligible. We have great academic support. We, uh, we have an academic counselor dedicated to athletes. We have we actually have an academic coach on our team who's a full-time sociology pro- professor who meets with our kids once a week, even now during the summer, <laughs> and keeps them on track. Uh, just uh, week by week kind of thing uh, for that progress. So we have a lot of stuff that's that's plugged in to to make our team successful and to help make those players within the program uh, successful too in their progress. But uh, that all being said, we need kids that want to come in and really really play for the team. 
great. Coach, I think one of the hardest things that, that, that I found in my time as, as a younger high school coach, and I'm sure you've run into this too, is you talked about leadership, right? Getting uh, leadership from your players helps create a great team. But sometimes the natural leaders aren't great leaders. Um, you know, the, the ones that kids follow aren't necessarily who you would want in that leadership position. Is there anything you do to maybe help support those types of leaders? Do you do you help your leaders provide them with any sort of training to be in that leadership role? Or does it just come about naturally and you kind of hand select those leaders that you want to step into that position? It, you know, it's both. That's a great question, Coach. It, it, it's both, I think. And um, uh, some kids, as you know, are natural leaders. Uh, that's not. That doesn't take long to, to figure out who that is. And uh, some kids, you sense that potential, but they need to know how to do it. Um, I'll give you a great example. Robert Ford, who is our point guard from Jefferson, tremendous player. Um, after his freshman year, uh, he's got all kinds of people saying, hey, you know, you need to go D1 now. You need to go uh, National Juco now, blah, blah, blah. And we talked about, you know, what was best for him and his family and so forth. And um, the 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 thing he told me that he really wanted was to lead a team to a championship. Uh, he, he played on a championship team in high school at Jefferson, but he wasn't that team leader. And he wanted to do that, and he wanted to get better at it. And so he and I talked a lot about leadership and what that looked like, what that sounded like. Um, and he, he became uh, much better at that this year. And I totally felt like when we finished the season, he was he was ready to step off of our floor and, and go to a good Division One program and lead a team uh, to a championship. And uh, that was about learning to speak up and speak directly and uh, uh, when to take those opportunities. And he was a tremendous student in, in terms of that. It was something he really wanted to learn and, and something that he was able to develop and be put in a lot of situations to uh, be tested and, and have to facilitate that year, this, this season. So that was that was great to see Robert grow as a leader, and I've, I've seen that with other kids too. But, um, yeah, leadership skills are, I mean, they're skills. They're just like anything else. You need to break them down. You need to talk about communication. You need to talk about setting an example. You need to talk about what kind of leaders you would follow and what kind of leaders you ignore and, and why. Um, so those are all things that can be, um, I think, taught and helped with, with kids, too. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to shift gears a little bit here, Coach. Uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier uh, kind of your style of play. Uh, specifically, I kind of want to talk about the triangle. Uh, you've been running the triangle for a long time. Uh, can you kind of talk about what it is you like about the triangle and philosophically why why you continue to, to use it, even though the game has kind of changed over the years? Um, yeah, I got, uh, I got the triangle offense from Coach Barry Adams, who's an uh, Oregon coaching legend, maybe the best basketball coach I've ever been around. And um, uh, when I first started using it, I, I liked the simplicity. I liked the fact that it was understandable to all the coaches and all the kids. Um, as I as I learned more about what it meant for spacing, um, and as I've adjusted the spacing to first the high school three-point line and now the college three-point line, it's actually made triangle more effective uh, because people have to guard you on the perimeter. Uh, 
if you can put four people on the perimeter who are all capable of making a three-point shot, which we can do, and you have one guy, all you need is one guy of the five who has an advantage in the low post, you're in business, and you can't, you can't defend that. And no matter how you defend it, you're going to give up something really good. You know, you're either going to give up one-on-one -on -one in the block with somebody who has an advantage, and I feel like we're going to score 60% of the time on that play, and you're going to win with 60%, or you're going to give up a wide-open three because you have to double down and help in the post, and I feel like we can make 40%. If you can shoot 60 inside and 40% outside, you're not going to lose a basketball game. So that's one of the things that we try to get kids to buy into with triangle, and we try to – uh, teach all of our kids to post up so that if they're in that situation, whether you're a point guard, a wing, uh, a small forward, or the big post, uh, you can still help our team by damaging a, a, a team down low. I, I think I think one thing that teams have gotten away from is attacking the low post. And with so many people um, run and dribble drive, uh, it, it's not done as as much. We're still we're still doing that. Uh, we we've, we've taken some dribble drive kind of components with uh, handouts and quick screens and, and some of those other things that are really hard to defend in dribble drive and incorporated them into some of our triangle mini games. Um, that's another thing I love about triangle is it, it just en enabled us to steal so many good plays <laughs> over the years. <clears throat> we see something we like, we to say, oh, da -da 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 -da, and then we can get into triangle this way. And, and um nice thing about triangle is some of your best opportunities come from broken plays. I'm serious. You know, somebody makes a, <coughs> excuse me, makes a hard switch that, that uh, maybe you weren't prepared for. Somebody dives into low post and triangle, boom, boom, boom. All of a sudden we know where we are. The, de the defense uh, is not really prepared to quickly adjust to that scramble situation. And then you have an advantage to enter the ball someplace uh, in triangle where, where you can do some damage. So, uh, I like how it, it makes uh, defenses come out and play you on the perimeter, and uh, I, I like the, the way you get opportunities in the low post and get yourself uh, some more opportunities for the old conventional three-point plays that way, too. Yeah, how has your teaching of it kind of changed? You know, you talk about a lot of high school programs are running dribble drive. Uh, you know, the dribble is being used much more maybe than it, than it used to be. Uh, how have you kind of adapted – how you teach it to your kids from when you started to now? Um, it, it, you know, it's, it's funny. We change stuff all the time in Triangle. And just this last year, we made a great change, and it came out of a conversation I'd had with uh, Coach Barry Adams, uh, now retired. But uh, we still get together and, and talk basketball and stuff. And, and he was talking about how in Triangle, you know, um, you needed to get your, your best facilitator, who's normally your point guard, uh, into the high post to make the, the play into the low post. And I never really incorporated that. I ran triangle for a lot of years never incorporated that. And just this last year, we incorporated that where uh, within two passes, uh, we could wind up with now our point guard uh, at the top of the key as the facilitator, middle of the floor, uh, you have spread that, and then you have a low post, and it just, oh, it opened up our attack for Robert so much this year. Um, and the only thing we really needed to make sure happened is we needed to make sure that all of our post kids were able to come out to the three-point 
baseline and make three-point shots, which we worked really hard on, and, and we got to that point, too, uh, because then if, if you <laughs> hope down on Robert, you wanted to be able to kick out and make that shot that way, too. So <coughs> we changed the way we run triangle over the year in terms of uh, our ball reversal. We used to die our, our post kids high and low, for instance, on ball reversals, uh, but I never really loved that all that much. And so now, for instance, when, when if we simplified that, uh, whenever we decide who we're going to post up, he just stays in post. He goes block to block, and it's incumbent upon the four guys on the perimeter uh, to put the ball in such a position that they can enter the ball to the low block. And if they're going to double that down, we're going to skip pass, and we're going to shoot open three-point shots. Yeah, that's great. I think it's I think it's really cool to to see how basketball has evolved, but then being able to use kind of those same concepts that have been around for so long to then adapt them to where we're at now and, and make them better. And that's kind of one of the, the fun parts about about coaching is, is doing that stuff. So I think that's great. It, you know, it is coaching. And like when I first, it was here's something. Here's a funny story. Uh, when I first came into college basketball, it was the 93-94 season. I just left high school, and <clears throat> there were eight teams in the southern region, and five of them, five of them ran the exact same man offense. <laughs> five, imagine that. And it was the old thing, you know, where you if you hit the, it was a one-floor high, hit the post, boom, boom, boom. You had about five different plays. Uh, you wound up with a high-low, uh, backdoor, da, 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 da. Uh, if you hit the wing, uh, you ran this, uh, you had a backdoor, blah, 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 cross screen, down screen, blah, blah, blah. Saying, blah, 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 blah. And, and, and you could honestly, coach, you could play an entire ball game and never defend a ball screen one time. Right. That, that was, I mean, that happened. And so I, I was trying to get our head coach, Royce, that like, I said, well, God, we've got the best point guard in the NWAC. Let's, let's come up. We can do this in high school all the time. We've come up with five minutes at the ball screen. Nobody could keep Kyle Dixon from getting to the room. <laughs> and he was like, well, no, we just we can't do that. They just had to recover too well here. Wow. So as soon as I – the next year I left, I'm at the Mount Hood. We started ball screening the heck out of things. We were ball screening people to death. You know, we were just killing people on uh, one five ball screens, just killing people. They didn't. They couldn't defend it. They didn't know how to defend it. Kids hadn't practiced. They didn't – you know, it's like uh, it was new and – you know, a few years later, we're winning the leagues and uh, year in, year out, and everybody's running ball screens. So, you know, basketball right. evolves, it changes, but uh, uh, sometimes what, what, what was good yesterday is going to be good tomorrow, too. True. Yes, very true. Uh, last question before we take another break, Coach. Uh, as someone who's been coaching for, for so long, uh, what advice do you have for, for younger coaches that are maybe in their first 10 years of of being a high school or, or college coach, what advice do you have for them? Oh, just get out, do as much as you can. You know, go to every clinic you can. Go to every uh, work basketball camps this summer. Find out who the best basketball clinicians are. Uh, work those summer camps. Hang out with other coaches. Uh, drink it up. Uh, watch videos. Read books. Uh, play basketball. If you're young enough to play, keep playing. Um, one of the things I always felt like I had was, I felt like I played more basketball than just about any other human being I ever knew. So I, I felt like I've always known the game from a player's point of view. I've always considered it from a player's point of view. Uh, if you can play, play, uh, because you continue to learn things that way that will that will help you as a coach too. Um, find something that uh, that you really want to be good at. Uh, <laughs> um, when I was a 
when I came out of college, I, I made my my uh, name in college as a as a big strong athlete who could defend and rebound, but I really wasn't that high a skill guy. I didn't shoot it that well, and I didn't handle it that well and stuff. And so when I started coaching, that that's all I knew is I was going to be the best defensive coach. We were just going to be physically, uh, we were going to defend you. And and so the first the first couple of years, that's that's what I really focused on. Eighty you percent know, of my practices were defense, and uh, <laughs> my teams weren't very good early on either. And a few years into my career, I went to a, a clinic, and, and the legendary John Wooden was speaking, and he, he asked how many of our coaches in the audience spent more time coaching defense than offense. And uh, I, I shot my hand up. I was proud, and a bunch of other coaches shot their hand up like that. And, and coach just kind of looked at us for a while, and, and he said, okay, you guys keep your hands up because if, if, uh, if I decide to come back out of uh, coaching, he just retired the year before. Uh, a couple years before, he says, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna play all you guys because I'm gonna beat you every time." And I kind of put my hand down, kind of embarrassed and stuff. And uh, he went in to talk about how, you know, how much uh, offensive skills took more work and offensive uh, team uh, execution took more work than defense. And uh, you really need. And, and he just like totally. I was a young coach, and that totally shifted my focus. I started spending a lot more time on on offense, a lot less on defense, and and my teams were almost as good defensively and a heck of a lot better offensively. So uh, that was one change, you know, that, that I made just because I was able to have an open mind. But another good piece of advice I got was uh, pick something you want to be the best at if you're a young coach. And I thought about that, and so I, I eventually decided, well, shooting. I think shooting is the most important thing. So I, every time there's somebody talking about shooting, I went to see him. Barry Adams and I have talked a lot, just hours and hours and hours shooting. Kurt Gilsdorf, uh, people I respect as shooting coaches. Uh, I've read every book, seen every video on shooting. I've spent time shooting the bomb. I, I just like have studied the mechanics, the the mathematics, the everything about shooting. Uh, I used to run shooting camps, uh, partly to learn more and 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 partly to you know be able to. Uh, refine the instruction of that. So shooting has been my thing for all the years, and I still do that. Uh, kids come in the gym, I film them, I show them on video, uh, let's move your thumb here, let's do this, let's look at your release, da-da-da-da-da. Uh, and I, I still am really intrigued and, and excited about teaching uh, kids how to shoot properly, and that's one of the cornerstones of our program is uh, if you're going to come in and, and work at it, uh, you're going to learn to shoot the basketball. That's awesome. Thanks, Coach. Uh, we're going to take another quick break. Uh, when we return, Coach will try to beat the shot clock here on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Stay up to date with the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association by visiting our website, or.nhsbca.org. Or you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash OregonBCA. Welcome back to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. We're talking with Cliff Wegner, men's basketball coach at Clackamas Community College. Uh, coach, for our next segment, uh, we're going to put you up against the shot clock. So here's how it works. I've got a list of questions, and I'm going to put 35 seconds high school what would be a high school shot clock you guys are used to 30 so it'll probably feel like an eternity for you um 
And we're going to go rapid fire. So all the questions will be one to two word answers. Um, and our goal is to get as many questions in uh, before the shot clock expires as possible. Sound good? I'm ready when you are, Coach. All righty. Starting now, do you think Oregon high school basketball should have a shot clock? Absolutely. I'd love to see it. It's one of the things we have to teach every year, and our kids are behind the other kids who've had that high school experience. Should it be implemented at the sub-varsity level as well? Yes. Uh, if you're up three points with less than 10 seconds on the clock, do you foul? <laughs> yes. Uh, how big of a lead do you need before you pull off a press? One point per minute. <laughs> Minimum. Do you think, do you think the three-point line should be moved back in high school? Yes. How do you celebrate after a big win? We don't celebrate until the, the final, final win, but uh, it's an embracing. We always have a quick team meeting, debriefing, and we take care of it then. What's one word officials would use to describe you? Cantankerous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, cantankerous. Time. I've, that's the first cantankerous I've had on the podcast, Coach. That's, uh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Add the search for that one. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's great. Um, Coach, obviously, uh, the shot clock is a, is a pretty pretty big uh, subject right now in high school basketball, not only in Oregon, but across the state. Uh, you know, you mentioned that you'd be in favor of that at the high school level. Can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit? What do you think are going to be the positives for that in, in the state of Oregon if we implemented it? Well, you know, as a college coach, uh, you, you, <laughs> you get it at the Oregon high school game and you get to that point where uh, it's four minutes, got a 10-point lead, and all of a sudden it's milk, milk time, and, and you think this would be better, this would be better with a shot clock. Um, I, I, I think the you know it's, you ask one more operator, yeah, it's a little more expense, but it, I don't think it's that big a deal uh, to implement that, and it would make it so much better for kids. And um, you know, shot clock management is is a part of college basketball, and if you talk about preparing kids for college basketball, and you don't do that, and the other kids do for four years, they're just they're behind on that a little bit. Um, uh, plus, it, it makes the game better. It, it really does. Uh, the shot clock has been good for, for college basketball. It really has. It would be good for high school basketball, too. What do you think? Sometimes the opponents uh, talk about just the competitive balance, right? So if you have a team that's really good versus a team that, that's not quite as skilled, <clears throat> that it's it's not really fair to that team. The, the, the fact that you can run your offense for 45 you know, seconds to a minute is going to give them a, a competitive chance to actually win the game. What what are your what would be your rebuttal to to that comment? Well, <laughs> I, I I'm probably disqualified because uh, as a high school coach in 1987, we were playing a, a team who had beaten us by 39 points at our our place, Putnam, mm. and. Uh, we held the ball and we beat them 14 to 12 in overtime. It was one of the greatest wins of my of my life, high school or college. It was an incredible game, actually, and the uh, the stuff down the finish was uh, pretty amazing. And then in the state tournament, uh, we had to play uh, 
nine in the state finals, and there was no way we could play with them. You know, they had six nine Chris Rappel, who signed at Oregon State. They had six seven Jordy Leiden, who was an All American at the University of Oregon and a pro player for a dozen years. And I had a six one uh, post kid uh, who was 180 pounds, and a six foot three kid who was 155 pounds. Those were my post kids. Right. Uh, we held the ball uh, the entire game. Uh, we were up 24 to nine going into the fourth quarter, and we lost a heartbreaking uh, last second putback, 32 to 30. But it, honestly, goodness, coach, it was one of the greatest games I've ever been involved in in my life. Uh, we went from having um, 8,000 people. We played in the first game of the semifinal, and we started the game. There were 8,000 people booing us for holding the ball. <laughs> and, by, and by the end of the ball game, there were 10,005 standing and cheering us because we were about to beat the number one team in the state, and we had them. I mean, we, yeah. we had them other than a quirk, a, a call here and a missed shot there at the end. We, we had them. And, and so, you know, I think as a coach, you – you you are allowed to do that certainly and and I, I so I, I and I did it <laughs> a couple of times mm-hmm. very uh, to to pretty successful results but uh, overall I do, I do believe that uh, for the kids it would be it would produce better better games uh, overall and I think it would produce more exciting finishes and and put more emphasis on on making plays at the end yeah. So I think that, and I, and I think that, you know, the restricted arc needs to be added, you know, to floors. That's a hard call to make, and uh, the restricted right. arc would open up stuff for the middle too. Yeah, that's another good point. Something I haven't haven't done a lot of asking about, but especially from that college level. I mean, has that changed the game? You think for you guys, just opened things up, maybe made it a little bit easier for officials? Oh, it really has, and, and it, you know, it was such a it was such a inconsistent call before it's at least made a common ground i mean you know you've had officials before that would say hey i'm not calling that he's he's under the rim uh or you know and now it's now it's it's either inside the arc or he's outside the arc what is it you know so i think that it is better that way so yeah that's a good point uh coach my next question uh it's, it's kind of a tricky one uh uh just with with how things have changed uh, just societally, even, uh, and, and the idea of transfers. Obviously, as, as a junior college, when, when kids graduate, you know, they get to move on or quote unquote transfer to a, a higher level. Um, but it's something that's kind of permeating uh, throughout the kind of the high school level um, and is an issue that we're seeing uh, at, at, as high school coaches. Uh, how do you kind of see the transfer culture and, and how do you maybe a better, more specific question would be like as a, as a recruiter, if you're recruiting a kid that has transferred to three different schools in four years, do you look at that kid differently? Uh, and, and how can maybe we as coaches kind of help with this transfer culture to, to maybe limit it? Well, you know, coach, I, I grew up in a, in a whole different era when, you know, you grew up and, and, as a kid, all you want, ever wanted to do was wear the uniform of your hometown across your chest and represent your town when you played against the other town. And uh, the thought that I would leave Oak Ridge and go play for Cresswell or Pleasant Hill or Central Wynn, I mean, that, that, just, that just was so mind-boggling no matter what. Uh, and even into college, uh, I went to Western Oregon, and, and we had a, a really, really bad situation with the coaching 
there, the head coach, was kind of a guy who should have retired years earlier. But even with that being said, uh, the thought of transferring to another college and, and playing, I don't even think it ever entered my mind. So I, I grew up in an era where, you know, your school was your school. So that part of me really hates the way uh, people bounce around now. And, yeah, I do think it would be a red flag when uh, – and, and I've, I've followed up on that every time – you know, a kid has, has played, like, different years in high school. I've, I've tried to follow up with why that happened. And uh, sometimes it, it turns out to be a flag worth heeding, and sometimes it, it's something that it just happens. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, I, I think, in, in unfortunately, there's, there's sort of a mentality with kids that's developed, too, is that, hey, I'll just go to this college, and if it doesn't work, I'll just transfer and go somewhere else. And I don't think that's – you know, that's not the way you start a college. Right. That's not the way you, you – you don't start a marriage with, hey, you know, I'll just marry this person. If it doesn't work out, I'll just marry somebody. I mean, you don't start that way. My goodness. So, you know, to have that in the back of your head that, you know, if it doesn't work out here, I'm just going to go somewhere else. I, that, that's really not a way to be successful. And so, um, you know, one thing that we do is, is we always, you know, start every year. It's a one-year contract. It's a one-year contract, and, and really, in essence, that's what it is in college basketball anyway. Nobody has to renew your scholarship, and you don't have to return. Um, so uh, we just get everybody to commit for the year. We say, hey, here's how we're going to do it. This is what my commitment looks like. This is what I'm willing to give you. This is what we need from you, and um, that that's how that's going to look. So, um, and so – at the end of the year, we, we evaluate the, the situation. Uh, do you want to return? Do we want you to return? That and, and so forth. So, and every once in a while, like I say, we have to get some people who have not worked hard and, and tell them at the end there, hey, we think you're better off going somewhere else or uh, we want to take a chance on this other kid or, or you haven't made enough progress or, or so forth and so on. But uh, I, I've been doing my my own personal one year contract since I was a high school coach. I was a you know a young guy with a family and stuff, and and it was always a family decision. Uh, do I want to coach next year? And the answer for 44 years in a row has been, yeah, I want to coach next year. And when when you ask yourself that decision at the end of the year, I always have to ask myself, well, does that mean am I willing to do the recruiting? Because if you're not willing to do the recruiting, don't do the coaching. Because right. it's not going to be any fun to, to, to play and get beat up all the time. And are, are, you, are you excited about, you know, going to the gym, working with these kids? And, and every year the answer has been yes, and, and I come back. And if I get to a point where the answer is no, then it will be no. You know, it is what it is. But uh, and, and we do that with our kids, too. And, and so we treat everything like a contract. We have our kids sign a contract. You will do this, 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 and this. There are 14 different points. Uh, these things are really important. There's about four there that are like deal breakers. Okay, It's like if you do this, then you're, you're done at Clackamas Community College. These are deal breakers. You can't ever do these things, that kind of deal. So uh, I think as, as open as you can be with, with communicating expectations and visions is helpful to all that. In, in terms of buying into that success and getting kids on the same page like that. Yeah, I think, too, you know, talk to some other coaches about it. It's the culture you create within your program also, right? You know, it's, is your program somewhere that kids want to be? And 
uh, you know, it sounds like you guys have done a really good job of building that at Clackamas. And I think that helps, you know, if you build something that kids want to be a part of, they're less likely to want to leave it. So I think that's great. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, and we have, you know, like I say, we have a lot of people. We look at a couple hundred kids every year, <laughs> every year. And, and I tell kids that. I said, you are the ones we chose. You know, make us right, you know. And, and we play against teams that, you know, hey, these kids wanted to come to Clackamas. We chose you. Make 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 us right, you know. Make us right. Um, but I I think that the contract has been a great thing. You know, I developed it uh, years ago. I shared it with a lot of people. I took some great ideas and stuff, and it, it's really been a, a an excellent communication device uh, for us and players, and uh, just to know. And it's got mostly it's positive. You know, it's, it's like how we want to act, how we want to represent ourselves, what we want to look like, what are uh, expectations are what our core values are. You know, everybody talks about core values. We've got ten core values we focus on teaching them. They're things like uh, accountability, uh, honesty, integrity, uh, work ethic, um, team spirit, um, those types of things. Gratitude. Uh, I, I think when you teach those things and you talk about those things. If you keep talking about them, just keep talking about them. If you think it's important for players to show gratitude, talk about it all the time. Mm -hmm. Thank them. Show them what gratitude looks like. Be an example for gratitude. Uh, show them how to say thank you. Show them how to appreciate. Let them know things that they should be appreciating that maybe they haven't thought about, but they take for granted. You know, if you want to teach gratitude, then spend time with it, just like anything else. Kids will take away what you continually teach them. If you continually teach them that, they'll continue to do that. If you continue to tell them every day in practice that rebounding is important, if you continue to tell them that you have to rebound or you won't play as much, they will rebound. I guarantee it. It will happen. They will do what you tell them to do. They want to please. They want to play. Uh, you have to just be clear and have to decide what things are important as a coach to be successful and do it that way. That's great. Great stuff, Coach. Uh, that's all I got for you today, Coach. I want to uh, thank you so much for, for joining us on this episode. really appreciate having you. Well, Coach, uh, thank you, and, and I appreciate what you're doing, too. I, I didn't tell you this, but I was the uh, basketball chair for the Oregon uh, coaches Association for like 15 years when I was in high school, and then I kept the the job in, in college when I went on for a few years, too, and eventually Dave Garvin took it over from uh, Philomus, but uh, I, I put on the Coaches All-Star Series, and I used to do a Coaches Association fall clinic uh, every year, and uh, I've always been uh, supportive. I've uh, been a member of the association for 45 years now. I joined in 1976 when I first started coaching, so uh, I'm glad to help the Coaches Association, and I, I want to want you to know that I appreciate what you're doing for better basketball. And um, there's a lot of guys uh, like you coaching high school basketball, but uh, to reach out and try to do something to improve basketball is really commendable. Thank you for that. Yeah, thank you, Coach, and, and thanks for your leadership in that throughout the years. Uh, if you have any follow-up questions or want to get a hold of Coach Wagner, you can find his contact information in the episode description. We hope you'll join us next time here on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Until then, coach them up.
Thank you for listening to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Is there a coach you'd like to hear from or a topic you'd like to hear us discuss? You can write us a message on the Anchor website or send us an email at OregonBasketballCoaches at gmail.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Spotify.